am not Santa Claus. Ah. Did you or did you not read the card? Yeah, I read the card. Then you're the new Santa. In putting on the hat and jacket, you accepted the contract. What contract? The card in the Santa suit. You said you read it, right? So when you put on the suit, he fell subject to the Santa Claus. Here. The Santa Claus? Oh, you mean the guy that fell off my roof? No, no, no. Not Santa Claus the person. Santa Claus the clause. What? Look, you're a businessman, right? Yeah. Okay. A clause as in the last line of a contract. You got the card? Okay, look. The Santa Claus. And putting on the suit and entering the sleigh, the wearer waves any and all rights to any previous identity, real or implied, and fully accepts the duties and responsibilities of Santa Claus in perpetuity until such time that wearer becomes unable to do so by either accident or design. What does that mean? It means you put on the suit, you're the big guy. It's ridiculous. I don't put on a suit as a Try to understand this. Let me explain something to you, okay? have to be delivered. I'm not gonna do it. It's not my job. I'm just an elf. It's Santa's job, but Santa fell off the roof. Your roof. You read the card, you put on the suit that clearly falls under the Santa Claus, so now you're Santa, okay? A question. What? When can I get out of here? Dad, you gotta see this place. You leave tomorrow morning. You have 11 months to get your affairs in order, and you're due back here Thanksgiving. I'm not coming back here on Thanksgiving. I'll ship the list to your house. What list? Come on, Dad. A list. Making a list. Checking it twice. You put a P next to the kids who are nice and a C next to the naughty ones. P and C. Yeah. He's our president, Right, Wait a minute. How do I know who's good and bad? You'll know. What if I don't want to do this? Don't even kid about a thing like that. Why not? What if I don't buy into this Santa Claus thing? What if I choose not to believe it? Then there would be millions of disappointed children around the world. See, children hold the spirit of Christmas within their hearts. You wouldn't want to be responsible for killing the spirit of Christmas, now would you? Santa? Judy will take you to your room, get out of the suit. It needs to be cleaned. And taken in. Then get some sleep. We've got a lot of work to do and only a year in which to do it. Sometimes life takes an unexpected turn, doesn't it? Today we continue in this series, uh, Christmas at the Movies, in which we're taking some movies and using them to raise interesting questions or maybe illustrate biblical principles. And we're thinking especially today about this movie, The Santa Claus, because in this movie, Scott Calvin's life takes an unexpected turn. Santa Claus falls off his roof, delivering paper. We're having trouble with mics today. Uh, He's delivering uh, the presents, and suddenly Santa Claus is no more. Scott puts on the suit, and suddenly he is Santa Claus. And so from that point forward, his life is never the same. This is an unexpected turn. He didn't know it was going to happen. And from that point forward, sort of everything that he planned, everything that he had in store for his life is going to be different. Maybe you know a little bit about what that's like. 
Maybe you've experienced that. Not that you've become Santa Claus, but that life has taken a turn that you didn't expect. You know, sometimes that can be a good thing. Sometimes it's not so good, but it happens and maybe we weren't planning it. Like, for instance, you get the news that there is an unexpected but hoped for pregnancy that, that really you'd hoped for for many years and suddenly it's here. Life will never be the same. You get called in the boss's office and you get a promotion that, man, it was something you dreamed of but you weren't sure could ever really happen. And now things are not going to be the same. Maybe you meet somebody and you had sort of given up on that. You just thought it was never going to happen, but you finally meet that person and life won't be the same for you or for him or her. Sometimes you have an unexpected turn and, well, I mean, it's just one of those things that happened. It's not awesome news. It's not terrible. You get a job transfer or your parents or your kids do and maybe you've lived in the same place for a long time. Suddenly you're not going to, but you know it's really a better opportunity. Well, it's good and bad, but it's unexpected. And things aren't going to be exactly the same afterwards. Maybe you get an unexpected turn and it's not something you wanted. Maybe it's something that no one would really want to have happen. And yet, you find yourself right in the middle of it and you've got to adjust to a new life, a new understanding of yourself. You go to the doctor. You think it's a routine physical but you get a diagnosis that you were not expecting, or your spouse does, and, and suddenly things aren't going to be the same. You get called into the boss's office and suddenly you're polishing your resume because you don't have a job anymore. Or maybe you sit down with your spouse for a conversation and before you know it, they're telling you this thing is over because I feel like I don't want to try anymore. It changes your life. And so how do we respond to that? You know, I think for some of us, the, the first response is a little bit of denial. We don't want to believe that things are really changing as much as they are. And we see that at work for Scott Calvin as well, when his body sort of becomes Santa Claus and he's living in some denial. Let's watch this clip. I'll have a field green salad and, oh my God. Calvin. <laughs> Sorry, um, the dry cleaner in my neighborhood went up in smoke, some big chemical fire, all my clothes, poof, gone. Oh my God, you, you wait. What happened? Bee sting. Evidently, I'm allergic. Almost killed me. But the guy at the emergency room says... The swelling will go down. I hope. So, did I miss anything? No, we were uh, just about to order lunch. Great! I'm starving. Uh, the salad and iced tea and dressing on the side. Uh, pasta and tomatoes. And very light on the oil. Can you do that? And I'll have a Caesar, no dressing. And one of those homemade cookies, the warm chocolate chip, no nuts. And uh, a little slice of cheesecake, uh, creme brulee, and... Um, Oh, hot fudge Sunday. Extra hot fudge. On the side. Anything to drink? <sighs> Ice cold milk. Stunned by a bee, Scott? A big bee? Sooner or later, we have to come to the realization that 
life may not be the same. And as much as we may want to deny it, explain it, forget it, avoid it, we're really going to have to deal with some major change in our life because of this unexpected turn. And the question for us as followers of Jesus is how do we adjust to that? How do we adjust to life when it takes an unexpected turn? Well, to get at that today, I'd like us to turn to really sort of the heart of the Christmas story, one of the stories that we retell most every year, and it's the story of Mary. We find it in Luke chapter 1, if you'd like to turn there with me. You know, we don't think a lot about Mary's life before that moment where we begin to encounter her story because we just don't know very much, but, you know, I think about her, think about her with plans she knew what life was going to hold. She was going to marry this man named Joseph, a carpenter. She was engaged to him, and this was a day when engagement was serious business. The only way to dissolve an engagement was through divorce. And yet the couple still would not be together. They wouldn't live together. They wouldn't be physically intimate. They, they wouldn't have done any of that, but, but they were pledged to one another. So she has all these plans, all these dreams, She's preparing, and even in a day when marriages were often arranged, there could be commitment, there could be romance and excitement, anticipation. She's going through all of that, and then everything changes. At one moment, she's just one of probably several young women in Nazareth preparing for marriage, and it all changes when an angel visits her. Now, I sort of envision all of these events around the story of Jesus' birth happening at night. I don't know that they did. The shepherds sort of see angels at night, whether Mary did or not, I don't know. But that's the way I think of it. This angel appears to her and then begins to speak. In Luke chapter 1, verse 28, the moment that changes Mary's life, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. What does that mean? To this young woman who hears that she is highly favored by God, that God is present with her, why? What is this, what is this about? And, and she's in the presence of an angel of God, and Scripture tells us that she's, she's troubled, she's confused. That's not surprising. People tend to do that in the presence of an angel. This is a confusing message, and it's going to get more confusing. The angel continues down in verse 30. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Now, why did Mary find favor? Is it because she's especially righteous? She's more righteous than the people around her? Is it because she's more obedient than others? Or maybe because God knew that if he gave her something to do, she would do it? We're not really told any of that, just that the favor of God has come upon this young woman. And then the angel continues and tells her what's about to happen. Now, as we read through this, just three verses, think about it from her perspective. Think about this from, as I read this, and I've read through it several times this week, and it's one a lot of us have read many times before. I just think about her mind racing through this, just trying to keep up with what the angel is saying and process all this information in real time. Think about that as I read these three verses, beginning in verse 31. <clears throat> you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. 
The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. There's a whole lot right there. She's going to conceive and give birth to a son. Now, she's not married. She and Joseph have never been together. How is this going to happen? Is it going to happen after they get married? Is, is there somebody else going to be involved? I mean, what is God talking about? She had to wonder a little bit about that. But then it goes even more. It gets more confusing. He's going to be called the Son of the Most High. The Son of God. That's what we're talking about there. How does that happen? How is her son the son of God? He's going to be called Jesus, Joshua, the Savior. And then he's going to reign on the throne of his father, David. Now, she probably knew that Joseph was a descendant of David. She may have been as well. But how could he be on the throne of David? The king of Israel at this moment was the tyrant, King Herod, propped up by Rome, a powerful man. Is her son going to take on Herod? Or Herod's descendants? Is he going to take on Rome itself? There is no more powerful force on the face of the earth at this time, at least in human eyes, than the Roman army. No one wins against Rome. She could name off several people, even in Israel, who had decided that they were the Messiah and took on Rome, and they were dead now. So what's going to happen to her son? What does this mean? There's a whole lot to process. But in the midst of that, Mary had to begin to realize that things were changing and changing rapidly. And it was not going to be the same. She's sort of wondering how this is all going to happen. The angel gives her a little bit of insight. Verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called... The Son of God. Yeah, it's not, not Joseph. It's not someone else. This is a miracle. And as such, it sort of tops most any miracle that we find in Scripture up to this point. A virgin birth. This is God at work. And in that moment, I can imagine Mary wondering, okay, I hear this. This is from God. Maybe she even believes this. But she has to wonder, who's going to believe me? What are my parents going to say when I try to explain this? What are my grandparents going to say? What is Joseph going to say? Nothing's going to be the same. All of the plans, all of the living in Nazareth with a carpenter husband, it's not going to be the same from this point forward. But what amazes me about this interchange, and the, the miraculous stuff is shocking, hard to believe that the God is working in this way, but what shocks me maybe even more than that is Mary's response that we find in verse 38. Here's what she says. In the face of all this, all this information, confusion, fear is this. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. When Mary hears that this is God's plan, 
even though it upends everything that she had been preparing for, planning for, all that she had in mind for her life, Mary's response is, okay, if this is God's plan, I'm ready. Let's do it. As I think about her life, this is a a sudden, unexpected turn, something that she could not plan for. And then I think about how her life changed. I mean, everything the angel said came to pass. I mean, the angel said, here's the sign. Your cousin Elizabeth, who's really too old to have children, is going to have a son as well. It happened. The birth of the child, it happened. And then the the glimpses that we get of Mary's life from this point forward, how everything does change. The baby's born, shepherds show up, angels singing, later on wise men coming and giving them gifts, being forced to leave and go to Egypt because her child is being threatened by the king. Twelve years old, this son of hers is discussing theological matters with the rabbis in Jerusalem. Mary At the wedding, the the wine runs out. She's worried about the hoe. She tells Jesus, do something about it. Her confusion in the midst of Jesus' ministry where she's wondering, is he all right? And then Mary, looking at the cross, where her son dies the most horrific death known to man in that day. And then Mary witnessing the resurrection. Her life was not what she expected. And yet, because of the changes that took place, she gives, and she can give an eyewitness account to the most powerful events in human history in a way that no one else could. The mother of Jesus. Wasn't an easy life, but what an incredible life she lived because she was willing to accept these changes that God put in her path. It just teaches me the lesson that I think we need to hear as we go forward and sometimes experiences the unexpected turns of life, that this is true. Your life may have taken a sudden turn, but it can still be great. It can still be meaningful. You know, our temptation is when we go through one of these unexpected turns and it's one that we're really not too excited about. The bad diagnosis, the job's gone, the divorce, the the broken relationship, whatever it is, is to think, I just don't know if life is worth living anymore. But the truth is, it is worth living. And even though the goals that you had set may go unfulfilled and the plans that you have in place, well, they may just not come to pass. There's still things that God can do in your life. There's still ways that God can be at work. In fact, it may be that you have more impact in this life because of the unexpected changes, because of the sudden turns, than if they had never happened. Because it may be that that since you're walking this path, there are people that are going to come behind you and walk the same path because they've seen you make it through. It may be that God creates new plans that you would have never expected. Maybe they're not like the old plans. Maybe they're very different. Maybe in your mind, they're even diminished. And yet, 
God can do great things. Maybe God gives you an entirely different mission for your life because of this unexpected turn. And it gives you meaning that you would not have before. Even when your life takes unexpected turns, it can still be great. Sometimes our response to a statement like that might be, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but, but it's not so much that God brought about some big change in my life, it's that I messed things up. It's, it's at least partly my fault that life has changed. Okay. God is still the kind of God that can redeem what is broken. And even though it may feel like you've really messed some stuff up, God can take that and God can bring life to it and redeem it and make it meaningful even in the face of what seems like a big change. Now, the truth is, change is often very difficult. Change means that we're going to be uncomfortable, displaced. When we take that and allow God to be at work in us and help us to see new plans, new goals, new mission, yeah, we may experience some unexpected, unplanned, sudden turns. But life can still be great. Let's pray together. God, sometimes life does throw us some curveballs that we don't know how to handle. And we pray that you will be present in the midst of that. Give us your strength. Help us to see what you're doing. And help us to see the value in life even when we experience big changes. And God, we pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to finish up with some worship together. Let's stand together and sing a little bit more.